couple months now. So we're finishing up Plot Twist tonight. And next week we're starting a new series called Sit Together, okay? So who can tell me in the series Plot Twist, what book of the Bible primarily have we been going through every week? What book of the Bible? Exodus. Very far from what it was. Somebody said Matthew, though. Thank you, Tyler. Matthew. Okay, so we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, primarily just at the very end, telling the story, the plot twist of the greatest plot twist in human history. The plot twist that changed the entire course of human history. Jesus had a huge following at this time. He had a big ministry. Lots of people were following him. They loved his teachings. They loved his miracles. They thought Jesus was awesome, but he was about to hit a turning point in his ministry. And so in this series, Plot Twist, we told the story of some different things that happened. We started out where Jesus was at the home with this guy named Simon, who was a leper. And he had this skin disease that people didn't want to touch, but Jesus probably healed them. So that's why Jesus was at his home, because Jesus came for the outcasts. And while Jesus was there, there was a woman that was worshiping Jesus and anointing his head with oil. And that might sound like really weird to us today, but back then, to anoint someone's head with oil was showing them honor, respect. It's what they did to kings. She was worshiping Jesus, but the oil that she was anointing him with was the kind of oil that they would use for a dead person. Like, like for a dead person's body. Now that might sound weird, but Jesus said she was preparing him for his burial. She knew that Jesus, she recognized that Jesus came to die for our sins. After that, we talked about the Passover supper, this big celebration the Jewish people would have every single year that looked back on the time where they were freed from slavery and God did an amazing miracle where Moses helped free the people from the Egyptians and they're, they're going through the wilderness. God parts the Red Sea and they walk through the Red Sea on dry ground and Jesus says the Passover, the thing where they would put the blood on the doorpost and the angel of death would pass over their house. And I know if you weren't there for that message, I'm probably sounds like I'm saying some really weird stuff right now, but just kind of bear with me for a little bit. It'll come together later or ask me questions about it. I don't have time to explain the whole Passover thing right now. But Jesus attributed the meaning of the Passover to himself. Then after that, Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends. Have you ever been betrayed? by someone. Jesus knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He was betrayed by Judas, one of his closest friends, one of his closest followers. So Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a garden with some nice little trees and things like that. But Jesus prays there and he's praying, Father, please let this cup pass for me, but not my will, but your will be done. What's he talking about? Did somebody give Jesus a drink? Like, here's some Coca-Cola. He's like, no, let this cup pass for me. I really want Pepsi instead. No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus, in the Bible, that when they use the phrase cup, they're talking about God's wrath. Punishment. That's, it's a metaphorical way. If God pours out his wrath, it's, it's like a cup pouring out punishment. And Jesus knew that he came to suffer for our punishment that we deserved. And he was praying, I know I have to do this really hard thing, but he was submitting his will to his Father's will, to God's will. 
Then Judas betrays him. And Judas comes with his mob, and it's kind of like in the movie Shrek, if you guys remember, where all the mob of people are all angry with their torches and everything, and they're coming for Shrek, right? And I can't remember if Shrek beats them all up or not. I haven't seen that movie in a really long time. He does? Okay, there you go. So they're coming for Shrek. Well, there's this angry mob of people that comes to get Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas points out who Jesus is, betrays him. And Jesus is taken. And then at that point, it says all of Jesus' closest friends ran away. They didn't stay by his side. They ran away. Then they, they capture Jesus. They take him to the religious leader's place. And all these religious leaders were, were like messing with Jesus. They're accusing him of all these different things. But he was silent. And then finally, the chief priest, the top dog of all the religion in their area, asked him, are you the son of God Jesus says I am and this is why they wanted to kill Jesus Jesus was killed for claiming to be the son of God the next morning that was Thursday it was Thursday at that time where the chief priests started to beat Jesus and mock him and then Friday morning the next morning Jesus is in front of Pilate. Now, Pilate was like the Roman governor in that area. And the priests, they wanted to have Jesus killed, but they couldn't do it without the government's permission. And so they go to Pilate, the government, and they say, we want to kill Jesus. And Pilate talks to Jesus, and he's like, this guy seems to be pretty innocent. Like, I don't, I don't see what the big deal is here. So Pilate tries to give the people a way to let Jesus go free. So he presents in front of them these two criminals, Jesus and this guy named Barabbas. And the people get to choose this convicted criminal Barabbas, who's actually a criminal, or Jesus, who is innocent. And they choose to let Barabbas go free instead of Jesus. Because all the religious leaders got the crowd riled up to say, crucify him about Jesus. So Jesus was condemned to die a criminal's death. He took Barabbas' place. Then after that, Pilate has Jesus flogged, and what happened is they whip him, and, and they, they get this whip, and at the end of this whip, there's all these different little cotton balls, and they whip him. It's just like this nice, soft little thing. No. what I've told you guys this several times. What do they put at the end of this whip? Glass. glass. Shards of glass. Metal. And so all these shards of glass metal, they whip Jesus with this time after time after time again. And then Jesus is mocked. His, his beard is ripped out. He's, he's, he's got a crown of thorns forced onto his head. And he carries this cross up to Calvary's hill. He falls down from exhaustion. Somebody has to help him carry it up. They take him to the top of the hill. They lay him down across the cross. They nail his hands and his feet into the cross. He's lifted up and he hangs there. And we talked about some of the things that Jesus said on the cross, but ultimately what he did. What's the big deal about the cross? Why do we see crosses everywhere? Why do people wear a cross necklace? Because on the cross, we talked about last week, Jesus paid your what? Starts with a D. Somebody help me out. Jesus paid your debt. You know, I may be thinking, I don't have debt. I can't run up a credit score right now. No, we all ran up our debt. It's our sins. 
It's all the things that we did wrong to go away from God's plan for our life and follow the things we know that we shouldn't do. That's the debt that we built up. But on the cross, Jesus took our place and he died to pay the punishment for our debt in our place. And that's what we talked about last week. They took Jesus down from the cross. They buried him. They wrapped his body in cloths and they buried him in a tomb. It was Friday. But Sunday was coming. After they buried him in the tomb, many of Jesus' followers were distressed. They're hiding behind locked doors. The the religious leader said, hey, Jesus said that he was going to die and then three days later rise from the grave. So they go to the government and they ask Pilate, the governor, says, I want you to get a whole bunch of guards, like Roman guards with all the helmets and the swords and the armor, and I want you to put these guards around Jesus' tomb to make sure that the disciples don't come and steal Jesus' body and say that he was risen from the grave. So the guards, he got a whole bunch of guards to guard the tomb of Jesus, to guard this dead body in this grave. And that's where we pick up the story. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 10. I'll read it for you guys. This is what it says. As soon as I find it. Here we go. It says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there is a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. I love how the story starts out. It says, A new day was dawning. They had a rough weekend. They followed Jesus for years and years. For three years of his whole ministry, they they knew him. They broke bread with him. He was their leader. He was the Messiah. And then they saw him die on a cross. Such a gruesome, brutal death. And Jesus is dead and they feel hopeless. They had a horrible weekend. But I love how that starts off. They said, at the dawn of the new day, the women went out to the tomb. Now, they're probably going out to the tomb to uh, anoint Jesus' body. They probably were not thinking that Jesus was actually risen. In fact, based on their surprise, it seems like they definitely didn't think that. But what I love about this is that even though they had a horrible weekend, and like the other disciples behind this locked door, these women, they still wanted to go and honor Jesus. Jesus. They thought Jesus was dead, but they still, in their hearts, they wanted to go and honor him, to anoint his body. 
And because they took this step of faith, I think God blessed them and they had this amazing experience where they show up and there's this angel just chilling there. Now, I want you to imagine being a guard. Imagine being a guard and like your boss comes and tells you like, hey, so I want you to work security this one night and uh, it's in this cemetery over here. First of all, you're like, time out. I don't want to like, that's not like a dream job for most of us, right? Does anybody want to be a security guard at a cemetery? You're going to get haunted. It's going to be creepy. And so they're literally working the graveyard shift, right? All night long. They're at this cemetery guarding the tomb of a dead guy. They're guarding a dead guy's body. And then they're just hanging out there. They're probably chatting up like, hey, man, you see that? Did you catch the uh, chariot race last night? That was crazy, right? You see the guy throw that discus? That's the sports they played back then. They didn't have like, you know, basketball or anything like that. So they know they didn't. They didn't have basketball. So they're chatting it up, you know, and then all of a sudden the ground, the ground begins to shake. And then this angel, this bright figure says he has a face like lightning. He comes down from heaven and all the guys are like, what? Like, freaking out and it says that they fainted these are big strong roman soldiers with all this cool roman armor and they fainted like a bunch of sissies right they're all scared they passed out and then so when the women get there what they see is they arrive and they see the angel sitting on a rock and a bunch of roman soldiers passed out now that sounds like the morning of a crazy party or something like that, right? But they arrive here, they see this angel sitting in a rock, they got like a ton of Roman soldiers passed out everywhere, and angel's like, greetings. Don't be afraid. I think they'd be like, this is pretty weird. Just a little bit. They were scared, perhaps, and maybe that's why the angel told them, don't be Afraid, And they're looking and they see this, this giant stone that sealed the tomb of Jesus is rolled away. And the angel gives him this message. He is not here. Jesus is not here. He is risen like he said he was going to be. Another gospel in the Bible says, they, he asked him the question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Now that's powerful. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You're coming to a grave to find Jesus, but Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. At the same time, how often do we look to find life in dead places? How often are you looking to find satisfaction in your life from a dead relationship, from a person who doesn't love you? Do you turn to things in your life that are dead, that don't bring your life, relationships that don't bring you life, uh, habits that don't bring you life? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Right? Jesus is alive. He's not there. They said, don't be afraid. Did you know that because of the resurrection, that's what that means, Jesus rising from the dead, that's the word for it. Because of the resurrection, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus defeated fear on the cross. They run back. So the angel gives them this message. They're like, okay, I got it, angel. And they're running back to tell the other disciples, followers of Jesus, 
about what they've just heard. And the angel told them, remember, Jesus, he's going to meet up with you in Galilee. All right. So there's like a schedule here. They're like planning a meetup with the resurrected Jesus. But as they're running, guess who pulls up? It's your boy, Jesus. Right. The resurrected Christ pulls up. And what is their reaction? They fall down on their face and worship him. Because they probably, in some ways, they're, they're just in shock and awe and wonder. And Jesus tells them the same thing again. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. They run back. They expected to meet Jesus later in Galilee. But then Jesus pulls up. I mean, has God ever unexpectedly like showed up in your life in a surprising way? Has he ever done that? He's done that for me. And maybe he has done for that for you and you didn't notice it. Maybe you noticed it later. One time, uh, you guys remember Pastor Roger? He used to work here, some of you guys. This is a guy named Pastor Roger that used to work here a little while ago. And bald guy with some glasses. He's a really great guy. But back when we had these tea buildings, um, uh, I thought, I'm going to scare Pastor Roger. Okay? <laughs> so he was just like walking. He was doing something over here. I don't even remember. And I just walked over here. I walked past the door. He was like in, in one of the rooms. And so I just thought, I'm going to scare him. And so I waited for him to uh, come out. And all I did was I was like, ah, like just right in his face. And this is literally his reaction. He fell back against the wall. He went, ah. And he fell back and his back hit the door. I don't know if Roger liked me very much after that. I did something like that to Pastor Elijah too, but I'll tell that story another time. But it was funny. Uh, Roger didn't like that surprise very much. That surprise brought him fear, right? To them, the resurrection was a surprise. And at first, they're kind of afraid because that can kind of be our initial reaction when we're surprised, right? It's like fear sometimes. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. This is a good surprise. This is a, the best surprise. But it shouldn't have been that much of a surprise because Jesus told them he was going to do it. Jesus said, I'm going to rise from the dead. And so they bowed down and they worshipped him. The main point tonight, our only point tonight, is that the resurrection proves that Jesus is Lord and Savior. The resurrection proves that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Jesus beat death. Everyone that has ever lived has died, but Jesus himself rose himself from the dead. There's a couple exceptions in the Bible where God took people into heaven. That just came to my mind randomly. But everyone that has died, died. Jesus rose himself from the dead. Only God has the power to beat death. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're not saying like he's the man upstairs. We're not saying like he's the guy that kind of helps me do my thing, helps me ace my test at school, helps me like generally be a good person. When we say Jesus is Lord, what that means is he is a master. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is God the creator. He is God over everything. That's what it means that Jesus is Lord. And only God can beat death. So when Jesus rose from the grave, he proved who he really was the whole time. 
The second thing is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus paid the debt on Friday. Remember last week we had the, the piece of wood. We had the, the nail that was, we nailed your debt. Your debt was nailed to the cross. Jesus took on your sins and suffered the punishment for your sins on the cross. He paid your debt on Friday. But on Sunday, it proved that he really didn't. Because if Jesus just died, he said, hey guys, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life. If Jesus just died and never came back to life, your sin wouldn't be paid for. Because then Jesus would have been a liar. He would have been a false prophet. He would have said something was going to happen that didn't happen. But since Jesus rose from the grave, you can know for a fact that your sin was paid for, paid in full on the cross. There's nothing you have to do. There's no good works you can do to please God, to go to heaven. Jesus did all of it on the cross, and he proved it by rising from the grave. Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your Savior? Friday was a dark day. It represented everything that was wrong in our world. But Sunday shows that Jesus defeated everything that's wrong in our world. Everything that's wrong in your life, that feeling you have in your heart that something's just not right in my life right now, that feeling you have when you're far from God, Jesus died to defeat that thing the Bible calls death. That's the word for it means you're separated from a loving relationship with God. Jesus died to bring you close to God. And the resurrection proves that he is able to do that. But you aren't going to know that victory in your life until you put your faith in Jesus. You know, a lot of us, we can see Jesus on the cross. And we think about Jesus. Okay, Jesus died on the cross. He paid the debt for my sins. And that's good and that's true. But we don't. Like, focus on the resurrection. we got to focus on the resurrection. Because without the resurrection, the cross meant nothing. At the same time, look at it this way. I heard someone say this. If you've been zoning out, this is important, okay? We're landing the plane here. As Christians, we want to be forgiven. We want to be forgiven for our sins. And a lot of us, maybe know how it feels to be forgiven when God forgives me for my sin. And we live our life, okay, I'm forgiven, but we don't always live our life free. Forgiven means, yes, I know my sins are forgiven, it's paid for. Free means I don't have to live that way anymore. Free means I have a new life now. The cross proves that your sins can be forgiven, but the resurrection proves that you can be free. It proves that you can have a new life and a new purpose to your life that God wants to give you when you trust in Jesus. Jesus died in your place. Jesus died your death. That's what we're talking about last week. That's what the cross is about. But the resurrection says, Jesus didn't just die your death. Jesus beat your death. Jesus defeated your death. He reigns victorious over your death. And if you want to reign victorious over the dead things in your life, over the things that separate you from God, over that sin that makes you feel guilt and shame, if you want to claim victory over that in your life, then run to Jesus. Because His victory 
is your victory when you trust in Him. That's the good news of the Gospel. Jesus beat your death. Jesus beat your depression. You see, on the cross, Jesus suffered your depression. On the cross, Jesus suffered your anxiety. But through the resurrection, He beat all of that. On the cross, Jesus suffered the pain of all the broken relationships you have in your life. Jesus suffered the addictions. Jesus suffered the sins and the struggles that you have on the cross. But through the resurrection, He defeated all of it. So if you trust in the resurrection Christ, you can claim that victory in your own life as well. And you have eternal life in heaven. Jesus overcame your sins so you could have a new life full of joy and love and a close relationship with God that you were made to experience.